0: 13814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the virtual Bible study.
1: And welcome into the virtual Bible study. We're glad you are with us tonight. It is Thursday, June 19, 2008. We're live on your computer, and we hope you will join in on the discussion. You do so by calling 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And those are the ways we look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town tonight. He's preaching in Athens, Alabama, and so we will be without him tonight. But we want to talk about an important subject on the program tonight. We want to talk about homosexual marriage Homosexual marriage became legal in California this week, and homosexual couples have been flocking to the state to become married, and that has received much acclaim in our media uh, this week. You likely, if you've been paying attention to what's been going on in the media, know that they have been touting this as a great thing, homosexual marriage in California. Homosexuality, it seems, is becoming a very common thing in our society today and a very approved thing We want to look at it from a biblical perspective on the program tonight, examine what the Bible says about homosexuality, homosexual marriage, and learn what we can about what the Bible says about it, God's view of homosexuality, so that we can have the correct perspective on it, and so that we can teach others what the Bible teaches on this important subject. In my father's absence tonight, uh, we have several guests who will join us on the program, two of whom are with us now. Monty Overton, a member of the College of Church of Christ, has been on the program before and is in the studio with me tonight. Hello, Monty. Hello, Jacob. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, Thank you for taking time to be a part of the program tonight. And joining us over the Internet tonight from Nashville, Tennessee, our friend Phil Hunt is on the program tonight. Hello, Phil. Welcome to the program.
2: Hello, Jacob. Thank you for the invitation to have me on. I'm looking forward to the discussion that we plan to have.
1: Well, thank you for... Here tonight Again, we want you to join in on the discussion. You do so in a couple of ways again by dialing 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Those are the ways you get in touch with us tonight, and we'd like to hear from you. We want to remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to come and visit with us to find out what it is that we're all about here at the College View Church of Christ. Uh, You want to find out more information about the College View Church of Christ, visit our website, collegeview.com, or you can send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, anytime throughout the week, or dial 877-381-4567, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We'd be glad to hear from you on the program. We heard from Paul in the U.K. this week over in England. He's listening to the virtual Bible study Thank you for being out there, Paul. We heard from Al up in Vermont. He is listening to the program as well, and we'd like to hear from you. If you are out there listening, let us know where you are and how you found out about the virtual Bible study, and we'd like to hear from you. Well, as we look at homosexuality, Phil, there's a lot of controversy about it in uh, the world today about whether or not it is something that God would approve of, but the Scriptures are very clear about what God thinks about homosexuality.
2: That's right. This question of homosexuality, um, gay relationships, has really been a major issue for the past couple of decades. Um, we can track a little bit of the history of the movement and the, the attempt to get people to tolerate homosexual behavior and then accept it and embrace it. Uh, in 1990, Congress passed the Dome the Defense of Marriage Act that <laughs> President Clinton signed. Uh, that would keep states from having to recognize homosexual marriages. Uh, we fast forward to 2004, and the Massachusetts, Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court, by one vote margin, said that banning same-sex marriage was unconstitutional. And so Massachusetts was the first state, if I remember right, to have full-blown same-sex marriage. And we see the trend in homosexual behavior and the acceptance of it over the past several decades. And this question of homosexuality and whether uh, it's behavior that is acceptable, whether it's something that God would approve of, is even becoming an issue among religious people. We have religious denominations that will take votes and and decide whether to allow uh, homosexual, uh, lesbian, gay uh, bishops and pastors in their organizations. They, They take votes and they decide that, uh, that we're going to have put people in these positions of leadership. And so I think it is important for us to look at what the Bible says. The Bible is very consistent on this issue. Yeah, and, but we, we uh,
1: don't have to vote about it, Phil. We just have to open up the don't. pages of God's work.
2: That's right. We don't have to take a vote. Uh, the fact is if the whole world voted to say that homosexual behavior was okay and acceptable and God said that it's not, and Jesus said that it's not, God and Jesus are still right. It doesn't matter what all of us say. It doesn't matter what vote we take. We can just look to what God says and humbly look at the scriptures, and we'll find out what his view on it, and ultimately his view is the one that matters. You, if, Monty, it, you know, if religious,
1: if, religious things, money aren't uh, – it's not a democracy when it comes to religion. It's it, it's, a, it's a, a monarchy. God says what he wants, and we've got to follow it. You know, in the, top,
3: the class I was teaching this last Sunday morning, there was a – thing the author of the book we was studying had written and i thought was very applicable Uh, jesus being our king and god being our ruler have the right to and the authority to make rules for us and then we have the privilege of obeying them and that's how we need to look at it in our society we don't look at things like that we think of ourselves as a free people and we can do whatever we want to so we think as a democracy or representative republic that we're in that we can vote on things and decide how we want them for ourselves, But God doesn't operate that way. God is a monarchy. He makes the rules, and we have the privilege of getting to obey them.
1: All right, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com are the ways you can participate in the program tonight. We're talking about homosexual marriage. You've seen it in the news this week. What do you think about it? What should be the Christian's reaction uh to homosexuality, homosexual marriage that's uh, prominent in California today in the news as we have seen that legalized we want to talk to you about that Phil uh, I I cut you off a little bit there a minute ago but uh the bible's very clear homosexuality is something that is forbidden it is sinful and uh, god does not approve of it
2: That's right um, and i hope uh, i'm sure our listeners um well, I would imagine that our listeners know enough about this program to know that that's the, that's the view that we were going to be taking. Uh, we do believe that God does not approve of homosexual relationships. Uh, the Bible does speak to this. Uh, you can go back to the very beginning in which God made man and woman and put them in the garden, and he He united them in marriage. And the the, the consistent theme that you'll see throughout Scripture is that The sexual union is intended only for the marriage relationship, and God created marriages between a man and a woman as we'll look look at in the scriptures. I think the first clear indication that homosexuality uh, became a rampant problem is, uh, is Sodom and Gomorrah. We read about in Genesis chapter 19, and that place was that Lot even offered his daughters to these men and said, have your way with them. But they didn't want the women. They wanted the men that were there with Lot. And so we have these two cities that are full of this immorality. And if there's any question, some people will raise question about whether the sin was homosexuality, you can go to the book of Jude and see that it was. It was that immorality that God condemned them for. And you'll recall when you read in chapter 19 that God destroyed those two cities because of that wickedness. God, at the beginning, defined the sexual union to be between a married couple, a lawfully married couple, and that married couple must be a man and a woman, and it's not popular today, um, but uh, if God was in a popularity contest, unfortunately, he would lose, but we know that he is the king of the universe, he is the creator, and his vote is the one that matters, and we respect his will.
1: All right, Monty, uh, the scriptures in the New Testament, we've seen it condemned in the Old Testament. The scriptures in the New Testament that condemn it as well are very clear, and they're numerous. Uh, We're not looking at – you mentioned that uh, a political candidate uh, has said this year that the passages are very obscure. They're not obscure. They're plain and easy to be understood.
3: That's right, Jacob. You know, when we read in the book of Romans in chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 – it says, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions; for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving in the natural use, of the woman burned in lust. For one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving themselves the penalty of the error that was due. So there's one place that a p- political candidate referred to as an obscure passage, but it's really not obscure at all. It's right out in the open. It's a well-known passage, and it's specifically condemning homosexuality. Read it
1: for us one more time, Monty, so that, so that it is not obscure to our listeners. It's Romans chapter
3: 1, verses 26 and 27. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which is their their due.
1: The wording there is very clear, Monty. It's almost enough to make you blush to just to read the, the, the strong wording there.
3: That's right. There's nothing confusing or unclear about that. It's very plain what God was talking about when he had that written.
1: All right. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, the, con- the condemnation continues. Knowing this, the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, sodomites are thrown in there uh, in the long list of sinners, Phil, of people uh, that God does not approve of. Again, the condemnation is clear.
2: It is, it is, and when we discuss this, I think it is important to recognize that homosexual behavior is not something that that you're forced. Um, that you're forced to act on, and that uh, you can't ever change from. We we have a message of hope from Paul in his writing to the church at Corinth. Um, Remember, the the city of Corinth was an immoral city. It was an idolatrous city. And there were people that would, even in in acts of worship to their gods, would engage in fornication and uh, homosexual acts. And he mentions that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 beginning. We'll read through some of these sins that these Christians at Corinth had committed but were no longer committing. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The people at Corinth were unrighteous before they became Christians. And when they became Christians, they turned away from the previous behavior, so they were no longer idolaters. They were no longer adulterers. They were no longer covetous. They were no longer homosexuals. So I think it's important to get that message across, that if someone is dealing with this struggle, if they're tempted in this way, there is hope. And and they can be in a good in a right relationship with God. If they move if they seek to to no longer practice that.
1: All right, let's repeat the verses for you at home if you're taking notes. Romans chapter one verses twenty six and twenty seven, very clear condemnation of homosexuality. First Timothy chapter one verses nine and ten, again very clear. First Timothy one nine and ten, and then First Corinthians chapter six verses nine through eleven. Uh, very clear. Again, there is no uh, way to get around it. The Bible's very clear in condemning homosexuality. What about marriage then, Monty? If homosexuality is condemned, what about homosexual marriage? It would only stand to reason that if homosexuality is condemned, homosexual marriage would be condemned by default. You know, when God
3: instituted marriage in Genesis chapter 2, and he talks about that in verses 24 and 25, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and they were not ashamed. Here is where God begins to talk about the marriage relationship, and He's very clear. That it is between a man and a woman. It wasn't a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. God never allows in the entire Bible, from Genesis through Revelation, for uh, the same-sex marriage arrangement that we see advocated today.
1: It certainly does not. It gives us what uh, marriage is constituted of: a man and a woman, and that's the only authority we have from God for marriage.
3: You know, and as we some people say, well, that's in the Old Testament. We don't live by that. Well, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, Jesus repeated that, reminding them that. God had made them at the beginning, male and female, and He repeats and quotes this scripture to them that we just referenced in Genesis, so we can see that Jesus Himself also there was no uh, disharmony between Him and the Father about what constituted a marriage relationship; that it was a man and a wife, a man and a woman, not uh, some other arrangement.
1: All right. The number to call is eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. We sent a couple of email, a couple of questions out in the email update this this afternoon. If you're on our list, you got these questions in your inbox. Number one, what would you say to a person that is battling the temptation of homosexuality? How would you help such a person to overcome the temptation? If you haven't responded to that question yet, we will tackle that question around the half-hour mark. And so you have time to join in on that question tonight. What would you say to a person that is battling the temptation of homosexuality? How would you help such a person to overcome the temptation? And then at about 45 minutes after the hour tonight, we'll take number two on our email update list questions from this afternoon. If you haven't joined in on this question, you can do so now. In a society that is increasingly accepting of homosexuality, even among many religious people, what steps can we take to successfully oppose the homosexual agenda? Those are the two questions for your consideration tonight, and we'll take any question or comment about homosexuality, any Bible topic tonight. As we talk about homosexual marriage, we want to hear from you. Again, 877-381-4567 or questions at collegeview.com. We'll take our first break, and we'll have another special guest joining us on the other side. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this.
0: Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of
4: Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. Regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee,
2: and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study.
0: Use your Internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program.
1: And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We do appreciate you taking time to be a part of our study tonight as we look at homosexual marriage. It has been legalized in California this week, and it is all the rage in the media. A lot of people in the media think it's a great thing. A lot of people in our society think it's a great thing. But we've talked about the fact that the Bible is very clear that homosexuality is a sin, and by default, homosexual marriage would be a sin as well. And we noted that the Bible only uh, gives us instructions for marriage being that of a man and a woman. There is no reference to a man and a man or a woman and a woman but only a man and a woman in marriage, and so we believe the Bible is very clear. Homosexuality is a sin. Homosexual marriage would be forbidden. But there are a lot of people in the religious world today, even, who are claiming that God doesn't have any problem with homosexuality. He doesn't have any problem with homosexual marriage. Uh, The Episcopal Church has been noted in the news for that. Uh, They are very uh, firm in their belief that uh, homosexuality is okay. In fact, they are ordaining uh, homosexual bishops, and uh, they are uh, opposing those who would say the Bible condemns homosexuality. Joining us on the phone tonight, uh, he's in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Pat Donahue is on the phone, and he has debated several homosexuals in the past who claim that the Bible teaches that homosexuality is okay. And we wanted to talk with him tonight and uh, get some of his input on some of the arguments that people make in defense of homosexuality. Pat, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study.
5: to be on the program. I appreciate you uh, trying to get the word out to folks about these and other things, topics that the Bible teaches on.
1: Well, Pat, it is amazing. Uh, you look at the scriptures and we've noted them uh, tonight on the program so far. You look at the clear passages in Romans chapter 1, First Corinthians chapter 6 um, and First Timothy about uh, the condemnation of homosexuality. It's very clear yet people who claim to believe in God and believe in what the Bible teach, are saying that the Bible doesn't condemn homosexuality, and you've had discussion with several of those people, uh, and uh, it's amazing some of the argumentation
6: you'll hear.
5: I agree, Uh, Jacob. um, One of the things that uh, y'all mentioned is Romans 1, along with a couple other passages. I agree with y'all completely that Romans 1 is very clear. It's not vague or obscure, as some people say. One of the things they do, Jacob, with Romans 1, because idolatry is mentioned in the same chapter, for example, in verse 23, the typical homosexual response to our argument, God's argument on Romans 1 that condemns homosexuality, is they say that here it's only condemning homosexuality as as it relates to idolatry. In other words, only when people committed homosexual acts as a way to worship an idol so today when homosexuals uh, get married for example and they're not in worship to an idol it would be okay and that sounds pretty good on the surface and after all idolatry is mentioned in the chapter condemned in the chapter but that's clearly if you examine the passages that you guys read while ago that's clearly not what's going on because in verse 27 it calls the, it says that these homosexual homosexuals burned in their lust one toward another. And in verse 26, when talking about the lesbians, it says they had Bible affection. So these weren't dispassionate acts, people just doing it just to worship an idol. They were doing it fulfilling their perverted sexual desires. And so uh, the Bible is condemning homosexuality here itself, not just homosexual acts committed in worship to an idol. If all we're de- doing was condemning, Homosexuality only when you can. Uh, we doing it in worship to an idol. Then, if you look down in verses twenty-nine through thirty-one, then fornication and wickedness and murder and debate, deceit, malignity, backbiters, haters of God—all of these things would only be wrong if you were doing them in worship to an idol. Follow me.
1: Yeah, I do, Pat. And uh, you know, you talked as you mentioned there in in verse twenty-six, uh, they do—they're doing that which is against nature. In verse twenty-seven, they're doing that which is unseemly. And so this is not just a, a, a limited condemnation of homosexuality where it would just be condemned in uh, idolatrous worship scenarios. This is a generic condemnation of homosexuality.
5: I agree. You mentioned there that it says that it's against nature. Sometimes the homosexuals try to say that they were born this way. Uh, but but the Bible is teaching not only is this a sin, but it's a sin that's against nature, like. Adultery or fornication is a sin, but it, it doesn't go against nature, the way God has made us. But homosexuality is against nature. They're not born that way, not according to this passage anyway.
1: I agree. Uh, you know, you don't even have to make that argument uh, to, to prove that homosexuality is not uh, correct and not acceptable to God. But I agree that this passage does teach it, that it is against nature.
3: You know, Pat, is the in Romans, when they're trying to say that it's just got to do with an idolatrous practice, in verse 18 of chapter 1, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So it's not just talking about idol worship only, but it's talking about all sorts of ungodliness and unrighteousness, which is, includes the homosexuals.
1: Pat, what are some... Of- yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I... I-
5: I was going to say there are a number of arguments they make Jacob and I know I realize our time is limited one I would like to mention though if we have time we can get to one or two more after this but one I would like to mention considering the nature of your program that I that I run into a lot in debates and you probably run into this in one on one conversations is that so homosexuals though they're believers like these people from these gay churches they're believers so they're going to be saved you know they believe in Jesus and they're going to be saved but in James 2.19, the Bible says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well, the devils also believe and tremble. And so when you're talking about a belief like that, these gay people who say they believe in Jesus, yet they're practicing homosexuality, their belief is kind of like the demons. Of course, yeah, they believe in Jesus, but they don't do anything about it. You know, and Jesus said in Luke 6.46, Why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Matthew 7.21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What they fail to realize is that repentance, besides belief, repentance is also required. In Luke thirteen three, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, the reason I, I wanted to make sure I brought that one up on your program, considering the nature of your program every week, is that, you know, really when they, the homosexuals say, well, they believe in Jesus, therefore, therefore they're going to be saved, even though they're homosexuals they're making the same argument that many of our denominational friends make, that all you have to do is believe, it doesn't really matter how you live, for example, our Baptist friends, our Methodist friends, our Presbyterian friends, and the logical conclusion conclusion of this argument, which the Baptists, for example, make, that all you have to do is believe is be saved, the logical conclusion is what the homosexuals are saying, is that practicing homosexuals are going to be saved, simply because they believe in Jesus. That's the logical, logical conclusion of the Baptist argument. You follow what I'm saying? I
1: do, Pat, uh, and not a lot of people would be willing to accept that to conclusion, but it is the logical conclusion. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is that homosexuality is a sin just like any other sin, Pat. It's not any worse than adultery. It's not any worse than telling a white lie. It's not any worse than disrespecting your parents, but it is a sin that will keep us out of heaven if we do not repent of it. Pat, you got time for uh, one more argument uh, that uh, you have been presented with in your debates with the homosexuals. What's, uh, what's another common argument that you hear?
5: Well, I guess maybe the, one of the more common arguments uh, is David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan, as you know, were very close friends, and the Bible says in two or three places that they loved each other. So the homosexuals take off on that, the fact that it says they loved each other, And they say, hey, that means that they must have been, quote, homosexual lovers. But it it seems that the mistake they're making is that every time they see the word love in the Bible, they're thinking and they're seeing sexual relations. For example, my dad, as you know, passed away in about 2001, and I loved him very much. But that love for my dad had nothing to do with sexual relations. Correct. David, David was married to seven women and had many children. You see, read that from 1 Chronicles 3. The account of David committing adultery with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11 shows obvious heterosexual desires. And Jonathan also was married and had sons. So, you're talking about a man who had seven women, women uh, seven wives, and had many children. And then one of the most famous sins of the whole Bible was him committing adultery with a woman. This doesn't sound like homosexual behavior to me it doesn't sound like david and jonathan were gay no it's Solomon.
1: Cer- yeah certainly and it, it, it uh, is a stretch uh, they see the word love there and then they want to mold it into whatever perverse uh view that they have of love and uh it certainly doesn't fit the, the picture that we see and uh, the characterization of david we see in the old testament
3: you know, the Bible teaches us that God loves us, but it doesn't have anything to do with a sexual nature, and we're taught that we're supposed to love God and obey, obey him, but that also, that word love does not include a sexual And attitude we're to love each God. other. And, Monty,
1: I love you, but I we're love not going to have relations. That's right. Okay. All right. Um, Pat, as you look at this, and it is amazing that uh, people who claim to be religious are accepting of homosexuality, and you wonder how a person could get to that point. And even those who aren't homosexual Pat, are, are now arguing that homosexuality is not condemned in the scriptures. How do you get from a point where you think that you, where you're believing in what God says to a point where now you are accepting what God says is so very clearly condemned. How, how do you get to that point, Pat?
5: Well, I'm not real sure. And it may be different for different people, but I, I try to be, in the debates I've had with the homosexuals, I try to be as kind and nice as possible, but also frank, and I challenge them to think about, from this standpoint, Do you are you really thinking this is what the Bible teaches, or are you doing something or believing something that you like? In other words, they want to practice this, this ungodly behavior, so since they want to do it, then they are motivated to twist and turn the scriptures around to try to justify what they're already doing you follow what i'm saying
1: i do and we can be guilty of that as well pat
5: i agree all
1: right pat i want to ask you one more question and then we'll let you go we're running out of time and this may seem like a stretch to many of our listeners and it may seem like a stretch to you pat but when we look at the fact that people in the religious world are turning their back against what god has said and are now accepting things like homosexuality i wonder how long it will be until until people who are in what they would call a church of Christ, who would claim to be following the New Testament pattern of Christianity, how long will it be until there are churches that call themselves churches of Christ that are accepting of homosexuality and homosexual marriage? The reason I ask that, Pat, is because we have seen a progression of acceptance in uh, churches today to such an extent that people are not respecting God's instructions for marriage in general. God has given very specific instructions about divorce and remarriage, and as divorce has become more accepted in our society, so has it become more accepted in what are called churches of Christ today, in which now there are churches that don't condemn uh, unlawful divorces anymore. Do you think it's a stretch of the imagination that churches that call themselves Churches of Christ could begin to accept homosexuality and homosexual marriage.
5: Oh, within our generation, Jacob. And I, I've heard I heard I that there are already some out there like that. You know, there are churches of Christ now. I'll say, per average, uh, there may be a hundred in the United States that full-fledged accept women preachers and women elders and things like that. And our grandfathers would have never, never uh Believe that would come to pass. I believe that it's only a matter of time. That's going to just become more prevalent. And it, as you said, it's only going to be a matter of time for the same thing to happen with this issue of homosexuality.
1: Do you believe it's going to be accepted?
5: I believe that this sin will be accepted uh, by at least. Some or many in the churches of Christ, of course, I believe there will always be a faithful few that will hold to what the Bible
1: says. Well, that's a scary thought, Pat, but it is a reminder to us that we've got to go back to the Bible for authority in all that we do. And the only way we're going to be pleasing to God is by being submissive to his will, not our own. Well, Pat, thank you for your time tonight and for uh, for your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you for
5: uh, talking to me. We hope to see you soon, Jacob.
1: All right. Thank you, Pat. All right. We need to go to a break. That's the wrong one to turn down there. We need to go to a break, and uh, when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Another special guest will join us on the other side of the break, and we're going to get into those questions. Remember, there are two, and after this break, we're going to into the next question. What would you say to a person that is battling the temptation of homosexuality? How would you help such a person to overcome the temptation? We want to talk about that question next. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this.
0: Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial.
7: us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study
1: hello my name is camp bumgardner my family and i love to listen to the virtual bible study please join us
0: Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And
1: welcome back to the virtual Bible study. We're appreciative of the fact that you are a participant in the study tonight, and we'd like for you to join in on the discussion. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com as we look at the subject of homosexual marriage. We've shown very clearly from the scriptures that uh, God does not approve of that. And now the question is before us, how do we help those who may be tempted by this send joining us on the phone from memphis tennessee tonight a uh, good friend terry francis is on the line hello terry welcome to the program
8: uh, hello jacob i have a little trouble hearing you but uh it's good to join you and uh good to be with you and feel kind of like old times uh from
6: it, our past there. It is. Uh, you and
1: I and Phil were uh, on the radio in Nashville every Saturday for uh, for a while there, and uh, I was looking back at some of the records, and uh, we're using an outline that we developed back in 2004 tonight, Terry. Time does fly.
8: It does, and it's uh, interesting how history has repeated itself. I think at the time we did that, I'm sure you guys have talked about maybe this before, you know, Massachusetts had... Uh, made a similar ruling and and gone through the courts that california has now with this new uh, law about homosexual marriage and it's interesting uh, how we find ourselves in a similar predicament all over again
1: well we were talking about it then and uh, back then in those days uh, we referred to phil as webmaster phil do you remember that terry
8: we do and things have changed you know uh uh when we started i was the only married guy now it looks like we all are and uh uh, not same-sex, Want to point that out, um, but to go, along, go along with the theme. But uh, it is, it's interesting, and uh, no longer, I guess, webmaster Phil, just Phil now, I guess.
1: Yes, he is just Phil, and uh, and he's on the line. On graduated the with, uh, You've graduated. All right. Uh, guys, I was listening to that program we did back in 2004 on the radio in Nashville, and I don't know if you remember this call or not, but we got a call towards the end of the program, Terry, from a guy named Mark. And uh, Mark was brave enough to admit the fact that he was struggling uh, with the sin of homosexuality. And I want to play that clip now. As we talk about dealing with homosexuals, this clip is very uh, revealing and does give us some insight into how we ought to approach those who are struggling with the sin of homosexuality. Let's listen to that clip now.
9: To send us your email with question or comment.
1: Back to the phones to welcome Mark. Hello, Mark. You're on the air.
9: Uh, yeah, thanks. I just want to tell you guys I appreciate your uh... – comments today. Um, I'm a Christian and I'm one who suffers with this uh, plight, I guess we'd call it. So uh, I kind of stand in the gap here. But uh, I would be one to say that that Christians need to uh, reach out and love more than anything because without that, you're just going to drive people away and and, and not do the good that Christ calls us to do in this world. Um, It's a tough issue. It's very tough because people feel like they're born this way And they really feel that. And I guess there's deception, perhaps, from Satan. I don't know. Uh, Who can say that for sure? But uh, it's a tough issue. We have to realize we have to love people and uh, reach out to them with the gospel. The, The spirit of Christ is that which ministers into us and can change us. Nothing else. Our flesh won't do it. We just have to remember that.
1: So, Mark, I think what you're saying is we need to have some meekness when we're confronting people who are tempted with this sin.
9: Very much, and they, you, you so often don't see that. And and people who homosexuals, gay gay people, uh, they hate Christians because there's been so much hate and uh, uh, just the wrong approach to the whole issue. And we just have to remember that it's about loving. It, it is about love. How much? How much are we commanded to love yeah. in the scriptures? You know?
4: Mark, I think one of the things, and and your call is probably a good reminder that we need to approach these people. In kindness and love and tactfulness and so forth. Uh, probably one of the reasons why it becomes increasingly hard for us to approach it that way is because the homosexuals themselves have become so overtly uh, aggressive in the promotion of their positions, and so um, right. there's the temptation to respond in Over- kind. Re-
9: overreact a little bit, yeah. And you know why they react that way? Is because they're living in the flesh. You know, That's exactly and how many right. How of us live in the flesh? You know, we're, we're so admonished by Paul in all in Romans to to live according to the Spirit and not live by our flesh. And so so often gay people run from Christianity and they have no idea what what the spirit is and living in the spirit of Christ, even those that claim to be Christians but that's true of, of a lot of Christians you know not just in this issue so um, there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot to it. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty I, I think I, I
4: appreciate your call mark and and I, I think we do want to acknowledge that we 're not saying when we say that a homosexual cannot practice that sin in other words, he cannot pursue that preference mm-hmm. we need to understand that that 's not an easy thing for a person who is thus tempted uh, you know for a person who doesn 't suffer that temptation then it 's easy enough to say it for a person who does have that inclination then we 're saying thats that 's a hard thing and we understand it is I, I i've worked with a number of people who have been Alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm personally not tempted to drink alcohol at all. But I try to I try to understand that those alcoholics, man, they're 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 fighting a tough battle on a daily basis, and I want to show them support and help and encouragement as they continue to fight against that temptation. And I I appreciate your call to remind us that we need to have that same outlook toward those who have a a, an inclination toward homosexuality and are trying to still yet live the way God says we must live. And And there's a
9: lot of ministries out there that that are reaching out to homosexuals. Exodus is just an example of that. Uh, there's several locally, but um, uh, people just need to realize that people who are homosexual speak out so adamantly about it because they really do feel that they're that way naturally, and they can't help it. But
1: Mark, Mark, I appreciate your call and the courage it took to make that call. Real quick, let me ask you to just give those who are listening who may be suffering with this temptation, give them some uh, encouragement and some advice on how they can deal with their temptation.
9: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All I can say is, uh, guys, girls, if you're out there and you're listening, uh, there is hope. It's not in your flesh. It's not going to be found in your flesh. It's only going to be found in Christ. Um, and you're seeking him. He says, draw unto me and I will draw unto you. That's our only hope. That's the hope for the world. Um, I, I know it's a tough battle, but uh, the reward at the end is far, far worth the battle and uh, not giving in to that temptation.
1: Mark, thank you for your call today. Really glad to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thank I re- much.
8: I just want to say I really appreciate Mark's courage to call in and to discuss something that many people wouldn't, and, and it's good for us to hear from somebody. You know, so often we have discussions like this, and we don't hear from the other side or somebody that's struggling with something, and it's good that Mark called in so that we can hear that perspective today. Mark shows
1: us, though, that uh, we can deal with whatever temptation we're presented with, whatever it be, homosexuality, whatever the sin.
8: Well, and I think the important thing is that he shows that in Christ you can overcome this, and... It's just another proof of what was said in first Corinthians six is that it is possible to change. You are not trapped. There is no, there is a way out. It's not like you're sitting there with no hope. And, and Mark gives that and provides that for us. And we thank him for doing that today. Thank you again, Mark, for your call guys quickly.
1: All right. So there's the clip uh, from uh, four years ago. We were talking in Nashville and, uh, certainly do appreciate, uh, Mark for being willing to talk about that money. That's something that's difficult, certainly difficult to admit and, uh, to talk about, but, uh, certainly some humility there to be willing to admit that there's a difficulty and there's something that uh, is a struggle for certain people to to deal with we all deal with different sins and that's one that uh, some people deal with and it's a legitimate sin and uh, it needs to be overcome
3: you know i was discussing that type of thing with a preacher one time and he was talking he says he had helped work with a homosexual that was trying to overcome that and the homosexual was saying that he was born that way and couldn't help it and the preacher that i was talking to said he told him says i don't really believe that but i'll give you that then you know you can you can say that you were born that way i don't believe it but we'll just assume for the purpose of discussion that you were he said i was born a regular man and i want every woman i see but i can't have them all god said i can only have one that's the one i'm married to so i can't have what i would want the way i was born and god has said you can't have what you want the way you was born either so we all have or like uh the was mentioned in that clip we've all got our own personal struggles things that tempt us more than other people's struggles that we're each different but god has called us to master those temptations and will help us to do that
1: and terry we need to when we're, we're dealing with those who are struggling with homosexuality we need to understand that it is a repulsive sin but every sin is repulsive to god terry and so uh as a sinner, we're all condemned before God. We shouldn't think that we're somehow better than the homosexual, uh, homosexual, or we shouldn't uh, be in any way unkind to them. We should be uh, compassionate towards them and try and encourage them in, in overcoming their sin.
8: Uh, that's absolutely right, Jake. The interesting thing is that we've kind of elevated homosexuality to a more serious and more deadly sin than others. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we overlook things, even like adultery and fornication, that are just as sinful, but because of the society we're in and the way the media portrays things, we've kind of become callous to that. Uh, no doubt some have become callous to homosexuality from the same forces, but the reality is it's just like any other sin. Just like the guy that's tempted to, to drink or, or the or the person who's maybe uh, tempted and has a habitual problem, even we might call an addiction to pornography, uh, those individuals, those sins they're involved in, you know, the reality is just the truth is that God says they have to restrict themselves, limit themselves from those temptations and, and not give in. Uh, you know, I've dealt with uh, with several homosexuals on a personal level uh, in study and in, in talking. I, I don't know if I call it counseling, but follow-up discussions. And, you know, the, the ultimate thing we have to realize is that this is something that the church at Corinth had people who were, for lack of a better term, recovering homosexuals. And the reality is, I think we sometimes, even Christians have bought into the they're born this way mentality. We, we don't know that, we sometimes we don't think they can change. We just don't want anything to do with them. And the reality is they can change. The Bible says they can. Uh, that also seems to imply this is not something that is innate or that they're born with. But uh, the reality is it is just like any other sin. Uh, and we have to address it that way, and, and we don't normally do that. I think maybe we address it with a little more hatred sure. than we do other sins, and that's just not how it ought to be. Uh, and i got to tell you, I, I feel sorry when I talk to some of these, and they've all been men, but I've talked to some of these men who struggle with with uh, the problem of homosexuality. My heart goes out to them. Uh, it is a very difficult thing for for those men who want to serve God, it's difficult for them to overcome. Uh, and just in the truest sense, you know, abstinence is such a difficult thing for, I think, anybody in certain situations. Uh, but it can be overcome. But we need to react with the proper love and mercy towards them uh, that it's required to help help those people repent of this sin, yeah. not with hatred. And, and, you know, I think of, uh, Jacob, you had on before the Phelps family. And the way they react to this sin, you know, that's that's not. I don't think that's what uh, God would have us to do.
1: Well, Terry, you know, we think that uh, if someone's a homosexual, that gives us the the license to treat them however we want, and uh, certainly it doesn't. And you know, we make a lot of jokes about homosexuality, and we wouldn't do that about other sins. We wouldn't uh, tell jokes about the adulterer or the or you know the liar, or the thief. That those sins we we don't treat the same way. So we've got to understand that homosexuality is just like. Any other sin. And along those lines, Wade from Hampshire, Tennessee, sends in these comments As Christians, we should be able to recognize sin. Homosexuality is no different from any other sin. Any sin can cause a person to lose their soul. Unfortunately, homosexuality is becoming grouped in sins of acceptance. What I mean by this is in First Corinthians chapter six, verses nine and following, homosexuals are listed among along with sins of adultery, fornication, thieves, and drunkards as those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. How many people do you know that are living in adultery or living together? How many people do you know that cheat on their taxes or uh, like to go out and drink alcohol? You see, those sins uh, people in our time just overlook. Eventually, homosexuals will be among those if the homosexuals get their way. And uh, so Wade brings a good point to mind here that homosexuality is just like any other sin, and we need to recognize that sin is sin, and sin needs to be repented of regardless of the sin. Now, one thing, uh, Terry and Phil, that you, I'd like for your comments on, I believe that part of this homosexual agenda that we're seeing in our, our society today is that uh, the homosexuals would like us to believe that if you are tempted along a homosexual line, if you are tempted uh, in a, a, a homosexual manner, that you are automatically a homosexual if you are struggling with those temptations. And that simply is not the case. From First Corinthians chapter 6, I believe we can see uh, that... Uh, those people were struggling with those temptations, but they had repented and they were no longer homosexuals.
8: Well, yeah, I, I think that's a great point to make, Jacob. No, no more does that make you a homosexual than somebody who's tempted to uh, drink alcohol makes them an alcoholic. Yeah, but
1: the, uh, the, the, the agenda is that if you have those temptations, well, just forget even trying to resist them because you're a homosexual, and that's the way you are, and you got to embrace it.
8: Well, and, and acceptance and tolerance is the overall goal of... of uh, this kind of left-wing agenda that's being promoted is, you know, everybody has these tendencies. You know, they, they inflate the numbers. They they really try to make us think that that, uh, you know, for what for lack of a better description, sometimes if you turned on the TV, you would think that everybody was gay except for you. Uh, you know, that's that's what they want us to do, and that's a that's a way to get their foot in the door for tolerance. And uh, that's just not how it is. You, an important point there is that somebody in First Corinthians six, there at the church Corinth. You know, it, it, it does say they were homosexuals. They no longer were. Uh, they one time practiced that. But when they put that away, that was not defining the of them anymore. Neither would it be anyone who even had those thoughts define them as well.
1: Certainly so. Along those lines, Marcus in Louisville, and we knew Marcus back in the Bible Forum days, guys, in Nashville. Marcus says, in our society at one time, fornication was not something that people boast about, but over time start to get used to it. And fornication today is very common. This leads to people living together without marriage, which hurts the family. I look at homosexual marriage the same way, that fornication and living without marriage has been watered down over time, so will this. This will have a major decline on the family and will kill moral governments. Sad days for the church are coming. Marcus says, and Pat, if you're still listening to the program tonight, Marcus says hello to you. So I guess that you and Marcus may have known some each other in the past, uh, but appreciate Marcus's comments. And uh, we want to hear from you. We have about 15 minutes to go in the program. We need to take our last break. And when we come back, we want to talk about how to remain pure. You know, the, the homosexual agenda in our society is that uh, they want us to believe that homosexuality is acceptable and, and it uh, may not be something that we like, but it's certainly something that should be accepted and isn't that bad. We want to ask ourselves the question, how can we remain pure in this world where the homosexual agenda is so prevalent? Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. 381 4567 Questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this.
8: Did
0: you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The
6: Virtual Bible Study continues after this announcement. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again.
8: Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs)
6: And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that television magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8, S I N.
7: I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others' sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny.
3: I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and this moment I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias.
0: Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome
1: back to the program. We're talking about homosexuality and how to deal with the homosexual. A couple comments along those lines. Don from Nashville, and this is the Don that we knew in the radio days, guys. He says the first step to, is to ascertain whether or not the person claims to be a Christian. If he does claim to be a Christian, then all efforts have to be directed towards showing him that the use of script, uh, through the use of Scripture that he isn't. On the other hand, if he doesn't claim to be a Christian, then all efforts have to be towards convincing him that he should be. But that can't uh, ever happen as long as he is a homosexual. And then Patrick uh, has these comments as we talk about how to deal with someone who is struggling with the temptation of homosexuality. He says, this question presupposes that the person I'm talking to is already making an effort to live chastely. So if I were to give advice on how to fight the temptation, I would give much the same advice I would give to someone struggling with any other sin. Number one, frequent confession. Um, He says, otherwise, a friend or a counselor or some other person to confide in. Um, He goes on and says uh, to cut off as much as possible any external causes of sin. In other words, avoid the near occasion of sin, whether it be staying away from pornography, places visited by homosexuals or former friends who still practice the lifestyle. Frequent and regular prayer is necessary and a trust in God's mercy, as well as frequent and daily examination of one's own conscience. Also, when the person fails in some way, don't give in to despair. It is easy to think that God won't forgive me again. I've messed up so many times already, and surely he won't give me another chance. But trust in God and get up and try again. Persevere. I like uh, that, um, Patrick's comments there, and those are the comments and uh, advice, Terry, that you'd give anyone struggling with sin, and that is you've got to persevere and you've got to remain diligent and you've got to do whatever it takes to resist uh, the, the sin, whatever the sin is that you may be struggling with.
5: Certainly so. I would also
8: add, when he, when he talked about not being associated with those who practice the former sin, there's also the need to replace those people with encouragers, people that will encourage you to abstain from that sin. And that would apply to, to whether it was homosexuality or fornication or drunkenness or whatever it may be. And I think that's a, a positive thing we need to realize is not just the Uh, disassociation but also replacing that with the proper associations of god's people
1: i like what you say there terry Uh, throughout the scriptures when God gives us instructions he says don't do this but do this he doesn't just leave us with a vacuum in our lives and say avoid these things but he gives us something to fill up that vacuum with the good things and as we're trying to overcome any sin we need to realize as we flee from that sin we need to flee towards the good that god has given us in his word
8: yeah, you know, you think about even the simple commands of, uh, you know, resisting the devil and drawing near to God. There, there's always as if, uh, it's almost as if our life and our hearts are a sealed container. If we take something out, we've got to put something else back in. You know, even in Colossians 3, when we're told to take off things, we're given a list of things to put on. And uh, I think sometimes all we focus on and all we tell people is what to take away. And if, if all we do is take things away and we don't give them the things to put on and the things to replace those negative influences and the people to do that, they're going to revert and go back to that negative influence. And so we have to make sure that we not only give them the things not to do, but we give them things to do. And the Bible does a good job of that. Sometimes we fail at giving the application that way.
6: Exactly right.
1: We have an email who from someone who would like to remain anonymous, but I'll pose the question to the three of you. The emailers asks, "When do you walk away from someone that you have tried over time to make them see where they are wrong? Working with someone over a long period of time and then find out they have no desire to change makes one want to walk away. How long do you try? When is it time to quit?" And this emailer says it is hard to do sometimes. Bill, Terry, any comments along those lines?
2: I think it's a very good question to consider and. And I'm not sure I have an, an absolute answer. I think it would it would definitely depend on your relationship with that person and and where you are in studies. Um, obviously uh, the Lord doesn't expect us to quit trying after the first rejection or the second rejection. Um, but there does come a point where we need to not cast our pearls before swine. Well, and I think when someone go ahead.
1: Uh, well, uh, Terry at some point, though, you got to say, I've done all I can do. This person is not going to change. And, and then it becomes your obligation to treat them in such a way so that they understand that you do not agree with their lifestyle and that you cannot condone it and you cannot continue to keep association with them if they won't repent of that sin that they are struggling with.
8: Certainly, certainly so, Jacob. I think one thing to keep in mind is that especially when it comes – uh as the, it sounds like the emailer was suggesting maybe this individual case, you know, person-to-person. Person. I, I think we have to take that by case-by-case by case study. I can't give you an absolute definition or set of rules that says at this point, away. I think a lot of it has to come, uh, as Phil alluded to, the relationship you have, how well you know them, whether in your judgment they're really trying and just slipping up. You know, the, the anonymous groups are very real with the people that come to them. They They tell them that, you know, just because you come to our group and you start this process, you're going to fall at some point. Uh, and so, I think sometimes when we deal with people, we need to realize that just because we deal with them and we tell them what they need to do, and even if we're that positive influence, they're still likely going to. There's a high probability at some point they're going to return to us, saying they've fallen. Now, now they might do that with remorse. They may not do that with remorse. But you know, for me, a big key to that is when they when they do fall and do do. You know, and it is revealed, and they are full of remorse and guilt. I don't think you can walk away. But when someone does it and basically says, "I'm going to do this no matter what you say," it's very difficult to continue spending time with them when you could be working with someone else who would be, uh, you know, receiving the gospel in a better way. Well, and so
5: that you know...
1: the scriptures, the scriptures are plain though, Terry. There comes a point when you do have to walk away, and there's some judgment in that. But if someone rejects the Scriptures and won't submit, you need to do it. You need to walk away for their sake, and you also need to walk away for your own. It seems...
8: Yeah, and that walking away, Jacob, is more than just saying, okay, we won't talk about this anymore and acting like everything's okay. You know, it's a much more uh, harsh break than that. That is a change in relationship. I think we felt that, too. If we're going to walk away, quote-unquote, from somebody... Because of they won't change, and, and, and it's an issue of they change or we can't have the same relationship, then we have to make the relationship different. Uh, and that means that we have to not be as friendly as we once were. That's difficult to do.
3: You know, it seems Jacob and this person that sent this email, they made the comment that this person they were talking about had no desire to change. When we come to the conclusion, when our studies that the person we're studying with no doesn't have a desire to change, there's nothing that we can do to force them. So I think when we come to the conclusion that that's how this person is, and we that may be different for different people, but nevertheless, when we come to that conclusion, they don't want to change, then we're just beating our head against the wall, and as Phil mentioned casting our pearls before swine. So we need to make a change then, and and. Away from that relationship or whatever, but, but and that's teach what, someone else. That's
1: with homosexuality or any sin. Any sin. I'm not
3: p- placing a yeah. distinction on there. Whatever right. this we're studying with them about. If they don't want to change, then we can't make them. So we have. We, it's our obligation then to be a good steward of for the Lord to go find someone that we can help that does want to change.
1: All right. Well, guys, we had mentioned, and we're not going to get to it very in depth uh, so far tonight. And there's going to be some email comments that we're not going to get to. I apologize for that. But quickly, uh, Terry, I'll give you 30 seconds as we look at the homosexual agenda in our society today and uh, media and our culture want us to accept homosexuality so bad and they're going to great lengths to cause us and force us to accept it. How can we as Christians remain pure and how can we stand on the principles that God has outlined in his word that homosexuality is not acceptable?
8: Well, you know, that, that that's a whole program in itself, as quick as I can. First, I think one of the things we have to do is we have to know His Word. Uh, you know, so many people are drawn into this because they don't know what the truth is. So we've got to stay involved and, and study our scriptures daily. We have to be active in talking to God through prayer. Uh, I think we have to be active in our associations with godly people. We need to limit our associations with ungodly people. That doesn't mean that we take ourselves out of the world and live in a commune, but we have to limit the influence they have on us. and we need to just add more Philippians 4:8 to our lives. You know we need to avoid the things and putting things in our mind through the media and any other outlet that is that are un, untrue, that are dishonest, that are unpure, that are not lovely, that are not good report. those things we need to we, we need to remove those things and just put more of the principles in Philippians four verse eight into our lives. We do that primarily through God's people and God's word, uh, but also through avoiding the things we shouldn't be watching and seeing and hearing.
1: Well, a passage in Romans chapter one verse thirty-two comes to mind, Terry, we're talking about the homosexual and all those uh, wicked people who, knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Terry, if we're accepting of the activity, uh, Jesus, uh, God says here in this passage that we'll be condemned as well. If we have pleasure in that activity, may even though we're not may not be engaged in it if we have pleasure in it and if we do not uh stand on the principles that god has given us in his word uh then there'll be some uh, accounting to give as well in the day of judgment
8: uh, there sure will you know and i'm reminded of james i think it's 417 when we know what's right we don't do it it's sin we know it's right to stand against this and if we don't it's sin now in a very real warning Uh, There are people that stand against it, and and they're sued as a result of it. Uh, One case of a photographer who would not take pictures at a commitment ceremony and was fined thousands of dollars by the state government for uh, human rights violations. And, uh, you know, the reality is I admire that person for standing up for their convictions and for saying, no, I will not condone this. And it may come to that, and uh, we've got to be prepared for that. That may be a modern-day form of persecution for all of us, uh, but we have to be willing. You know, sometimes we wonder whether or not we would take stands like they did in the New Testament. We may have some opportunities to, to find out.
1: yeah Well, and uh, let's pray that we'll have the strength to uh, stand when that time comes because I believe it will come. We need to be prepared for it. Terry, thank you for taking time to be a part of the program tonight from Memphis tonight.
8: Well, thank you, Jacob, and I appreciate what you're doing and your dad. I'm sorry not, he's not on there with you. And, uh, tell everybody there uh the family i said hello you guys are special people and Phil, good to be with you and and talk to you and if you guys are in memphis come see us uh uh we're, we're enjoying it down here it's been a good move for us but we sure miss everybody back in middle Tennessee. Oh,
1: thank you terry and phil thank you from nashville tonight
8: uh thank you it was great to
2: talk to you and monty and terry
1: Well, we appreciate that. Thank you, and thank you, uh, Monty, for being in the studio tonight. Well, thank you, Jacob, for allowing me to be with you. We're over time tonight, but I do want to make mention of one thing that is upcoming next week here at the College View Church of Christ. We will have our vacation Bible school all week, Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock each evening. We'll be looking into the book of Acts to find out more about New Testament Christianity. There will be classes for all ages, including classes for the adults And so we do encourage you, if you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, to come and be a part of our Vacation Bible School beginning Monday of next week. And uh, if you are in the area on Thursday night, make a special plan to be here on Thursday night because you can attend the Vacation Bible School at 7 o'clock, and then you can stay around afterwards at 8 o'clock. We'll be doing the virtual Bible study live in front of a live audience on Thursday night. So we hope you'll make plans to be a part of our Vacation Bible School beginning next week. If you have any questions or need detailed directions to our meeting place, again, check out our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com or call us at 877-381-4567. We appreciate you being a part of the program tonight, and we hope that our discussion has been helpful to you in your desire to understand more about God's will for you in your life. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us at any time. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.